Welcome back to the Rounding Third Podcast. We got the whole gang back together again this week. How are we doing, boys? Awesome. How are we doing? Fellas? Good to be Not back. Bad. All right. Before we get started tonight, we have quite a bit to get through again tonight. Uh, please sure that you follow, like us on, on Facebook. You can share our posts. You can interact with our posts. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you give us five stars for the reviews, and it puts us higher in the algorithm so more people view us, and then eventually, you know, we make like 10 cent royalties. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Ooh, life-changing. Right? It's more than I get as a teacher. So, anyways, right. yeah. <laughs> Leading off, we uh, are gonna start with this whole Max Scherzer ten-game suspension. Um, so he was caught with a legal, a legal substance, rosin, yep. that he was mixing with his sweat. But Phil Cuzzy, the only umpire to eject a pitcher. For foreign substances, he's done it three times. He's the only umpire in the entire league to do it um, since the rule came out. Um, said it was an ex- excessive amount of rosin and sticky stuff on Max Scherzer's hand. Um, I think he's appealing it, correct? No. No, he dropped he's, the appeal. He's not. He, he said did he didn't feel like he could win, so it wasn't worth even trying. Okay, so he's not appealing it. Um what what are no. your takes on it? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna push push the line, right? I mean, but it's but how, how is it pushing play. the line? There's it's it's the line would be pushed if you were using something that was a illegal or b something that they're like you really shouldn't be using it. Like blah blah. blah. He was using the substance that is supplied by the league. On to the back each of the mound. pitcher on the back of the mound, that like that's what he was using, right? So I I don't yeah. I, I don't I don't even think he's I don't even think it's fair in a sense to say he's pushing the limit or or, or or testing boundaries or anything like that. Like how can you outlaw how much people sweat? <laughs> like if he sweats more than like the normal pitcher, like how can you be like oh well just don't sweat that much? Like that's absolutely crazy. I'm sure the MLB will find a way. And all joking aside, though, I mean, this is what this is what Trevor Bauer talked about a couple of years ago when when it was brought up. I mean, he he had said like you're you're creating a situation here where the umpire has all the power, has the discretion to do what he chooses to do, and then there's really no way to appeal it because to to the point of Max Scherzer dropping the appeal, saying I feel like I can't win it, like. There's no way for him to go through an appeals process and go, oh, well, I was only sweating two days ago. Like, how, 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 how does he <laughs> yeah, prove right. his case? Right. You know, I mean, it's 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 even more evident that it's resin and sweat. They, they made him go back and use a different glove. He washed his hands using like alcohol, alcohol swabs alcohol and stuff clubs, like yep. that in front of Major League Baseball officials, came back out with a new glove. And Phil Cuzzy still gave him the heave-ho. Like, that is outrageous. Well, and the issue, so I I put a link in the chat here because David Cohn actually did a cool experiment with rosin on Sunday Night Baseball to prove the point. Yeah. But the issue with the rosin, so rosin, what is rosin? Rosin is is tack. Like, it helps the pitchers get a better grip. That's why it's on the mound. 
when it mixes with sweat, it gets a little stickier. And and as you mentioned, Sean, I was going to bring it up. Trevor Bauer did like a eight or 10 minute video breaking down how you can actually, how you can take the rosin with sweat and manipulate it to become basically almost spider tack, but not quite. Um, and then, so, so David Cohen went one step further and said, the problem with the rosin is when you use the alcohol swabs to clean your hands, like MLB wants you to, the residual rosin and the, and the alcohol swab, it becomes stickier. So when yeah. they made him clean his hands with alcohol swabs, his hands actually got stickier because that's the normal chemical reaction with rosin. And uh, so really what they did was Phil Cuzzy created his own argument by making him wash his hands and then made his hands stickier. So yeah. the it, it's not nothing, nothing that that Scherzer did was illegal. It's actually, I think, how MLB handles that situation, how the, how Phil Cuzzy handled it, that made it appear like it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's really nothing Scherzer did that was illegal. Rosin and sweat that happened that's been going on in baseball forever and that's not outlawed you're allowed to you're allowed to use the rosin provided on the mound um, but it was when they do the experiment adding the alcohol in that screws everything up so here but here's where you know i i think here's where how, how do i want to say this yeah sorry doug a, I under but you're right a situation like this where a prominent pitcher in this league like Max Scherzer is now going through a 10 game suspension, which, and I, even like aside from the stuff like, Oh, it's going to be on his record now, like whatever, like it, that can be something that we, that's a different discussion for a different day. Yep. But now the precedent has been set that umpires, whether they don't <clears throat> like a guy, whether, Hey, let's say this guy's been chirping my zone all day and I got a, a hair across my ass towards this guy. Now I check his, his glove and his hands and they're a little bit sticky. I have the power to just, just yank a guy. And there's there's no repercussions. Like, there's no way that Max Scherzer can appeal this, win this appeal. And even if all that stuff did happen, nothing would happen to Phil Cuzzy. Right. Like, right. Phil Cuzzy wouldn't, wouldn't be impacted in any way for trying to bring down a suspension on a guy for using the league-supplied stuff. Like, it's, that's, it's crazy to me. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're badly mishandling how they're reviewing these and determining them because yeah. by Phil Cuzzy using alcohol, it proves he doesn't understand the rosin and how it, how it works and what it does. And now Max Scherzer effectively takes the heat for a situation that he really didn't create that he wasn't guilty of because honestly, the umpire proved that he doesn't understand how this stuff works and actually made it worse. So well, it, and it's, and it's ML unfortunate. Oh, go ahead. I'll say MLB, MLB needs to review when they feel like something's happened, what are the actual right steps to take? Because what they're doing right now doesn't work. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in, in you know, to use a, a comparison from a different sport, I mean, you look at, you know, you look at the, the, the cheating things that the Patriots had been accused of and then the things that actually happened. And then the things that, you know, we're not so sure. Maybe they did happen. Maybe they didn't. Yep. There wasn't enough evidence. There's still people still to this day talk about, ESPN as, as recently as like a year and a half ago had this thing about a Patriots. Uh, this is the whatever anniversary of the Patriots taping the Rams walkthrough that never happened. Like it's been proven that that never happened, but it doesn't matter because that's not what people remember. Exactly. People don't remember the, like the rebuttal. People don't remember when it gets taken back. People remember the accusation and for better or for worse, but Max Scherzer now is going to be remembered as the guy that, Oh, that's the guy that cheated after they outlawed sticky stuff. But he didn't cheat. Which is like crazy he, because in the post-game conference, he's like, if my spin rate's increased, if they 
went drastically up, then yeah, kick my ass out of the game. He's like, but they didn't. Like my no. spin rates didn't change. So I think it's just a crock. But and you know, like it's a high profile pitcher. Maybe the league told them they needed to crack down on it. But if so, why is it just this umpire that's done it three times? Well, that's the scary part, is that it's only one guy that's been doing it, which makes me believe that. You know, you watch the whole Scherzer thing unfold and how badly Cuzzy handled it. Not not that Cuzzy was on a witch hunt, but, you know, using the alcohol wipe and all that stuff. Like, has he done that in the other two examples? Like, is he is he incorrectly, like, triaging the problem and problem? making it worse? Yeah. Right. So it's – MLB needs to review what the right steps are to take because, as David Cohn proved on national television last night, you cannot use the alcohol wipe. That actually makes it worse. Yeah crazy a, a 10 game suspension for that though is i mean yes it's two starts essentially but when it's you two only, starts it's crazy when you That's only make silly. 25 to 30 starts a year i mean you just took 10 percent of the guy's season away from him right I, it's unreal yeah on to happier news clayton kershaw gets win 200 so uh hold on we'll go back doug i don't know who the other two that were rejected i'm sure we can look Hang that on. up i'm sure it's on there somewhere but well harrison's uh, looking that up oh you got he it? ejected seattle's hector santiago and arizona's caleb smith both in 2021 so not really high profile not high guys, profile guys but, no but you know back it. back end starters yeah um so yeah clayton kershaw gets win 200 um is 200 now the benchmark, the automatic benchmark to get into the Hall of Fame for a starting pitcher? Boy, I, I hope not, but... I mean, I mean you guys I mean, know my thoughts see, on automatic gonna, bids. Well, I know, I but you're not going to get a 300... Bids. Right, but you're not going to get a 300-game winner in, anymore. Like, those no. days are done. So is 200 an automatic bid? I mean, probably, but it shouldn't be. I don't think there should be any automatic bids. Yeah. I, I truly don't. I mean, I, I think in, I've said it a hundred times. I, any sport, in order to get in the Hall of Fame, it should be you should be a transcend. You should transcend the sport in your era. Like you, you should you should be the player. I don't care what sport it is. You should be the player that everyone else that played in your era, everybody that watched and coached in your era, knew who you were, knew you had to be game planned for, and you know you were a game wrecker. Whatever the stats can say, what the stats want to say. That to me, like that should be Hall of Fame, and that inevitably would mean less guys in the Hall of Fame. Right. I get that, yeah, but like a guy like Craig Biggio, Craig Biggio is in the Hall of Fame because he had three thousand hits. Right. I'm not taking anything away from Craig Biggio. Craig Biggio had three thousand hits because he played for like twenty two years. <laughs> he played forever. Like that, that's it, and that's not taking anything away. I mean, that's incredible within itself to be able to play for that long. So again, not taking yeah. anything away, but he is in the place revered for the greatest players of all time because he played long enough to reach some automatic bid milestone, which to me is kind of crazy. Um, I guess that's my long answer, my rant there. I mean, I, I guess it, it probably will be, but it, that'll be, a, I think, a while. Like this whole, this new, this new game of like the starting pitcher just being a vehicle to get you to the bullpen is new. Yeah. Like right. this, is a, yeah. this is a very new way that baseball is being played. I think it's going to be a while of this kind of game before we start to recognize those starting pitchers and say, Hey, 200 wins is actually pretty impressive. Like, I, I don't think three years from now, I don't think any 200 wins are going to get it. And I think Kershaw will get in for 
other reasons other than his 200 wins. Yeah, right. he's been dominant his career. Yeah, you you're going to have to yeah. I think I think gone to the days of the guys that are going to be 300 wins, 3000 hits. Like you're, you're just not going to see that many guys do that anymore. So I think you're going to have to to your point Sean, you're going to evaluate these guys, their career in terms of how they stacked up in their era. So like a guy like Craig Biggio, yeah, he got there because he got 3,000 hits. He played forever. But when you think back on his career, was he ever like the most dominant second baseman in baseball? No, he was always a really good second baseman. Not just that. around for a million years. When when the Astros came to town, you weren't sitting there going, oh, don't let Craig Biggio be this. Right. (laughs) Right. It was everybody. Right. And again, I mean no disrespect or anything like that to Craig Biggio. I mean, he was a major ball player. I sure as hell wasn't. But the idea was you weren't sitting there saying, oh, Craig Biggio, just keep Craig Biggio off the base pads or keep him. Yeah. I don't want him at the box. It was Jeff Bagwell and it was those other guys that you were concerned about. Exactly. Bergen. Yeah. So, but then the well, flip side of it is so like, I look at a guy like Pedro Martinez, you know, so Pe- Pedro gets in and I consider him one of the most dominant pitchers I ever saw. Only won 219 games. So like I, I look at statistically, you look at Pedro, if you took Pedro's name off it and read the stat line, you go, wow, that guy was, that guy was good. Then you find out it's Pedro Martinez, you realize he did that in like a 12-year span because he just didn't last that long. Um, but on the balance, he he spent a handful of years as probably the one of the most dominant guys in all of baseball. And the other years he was one of like the top 10. So, like in terms of dominance, what he meant to that, what he meant to the team, what he meant to the league, and how he stacked up to his peers, he was elite, the elite no of the elite. Mm-hmm. No so question. I look at him as he's absolutely Hall of Famer. And wins but based are- on stats alone. Maybe not. Yeah. And wins are so hard, right? Because how many of those starts right. did Pedro leave probably with a zero zero score? You well, know, he probably had like what? gave up no runs, you know, but your team didn't score for you. Or he gave up one yeah. and he leaves one Absolutely. nothing, you know, like gets a no decision. So yeah, I think you gotta I mean, look at the whole the whole you have to evaluate the whole career. You. I look at a guy like Kershaw, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer because he what it, what he meant to LA, what he did for them, how dominant he was for a stretch. You know, he's got his flaws. But there was a time when he was considered one of the top probably three guys in baseball for more than a year. Yeah. It wasn't like he was a, a short window player. Like he had, he had a number of years where he was the elite of the elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of great left-handed pitchers, Madison Bumgarner gets DFA'd. <laughs> um, yeah. Now there's a guy who was really good for a short window of time. Right. I mean, he <laughs> has not been the same since his dirt bike accident. He just hasn't. He went to Arizona. His ERA was like up around five, if not over five. Um, he won maybe a handful of games. Yeah, in in Arizona, in four years there, he's got an ERA of five twenty three, and he's fifteen and thirty two. Yeah, he's got six strikeouts in three hundred and sixty three innings. So he's been Dude. not with really numbers, good. One hundred and sixteen walks. His number. His numbers are. He's like a five starter you know, at the high end based on those stats. Dude, with those numbers, he could be the ace for the Red Sox. He'd be the ace for the A's, that's for sure. <laughs> well, no, no doubt. Anyways, Red Sox <laughs> slamming aside, does somebody give Madison Baumgartner a chance? Does I hope it's not the Sox. I, I tweeted at the Red Sox when I got Please, the news, no. and I was like, don't you dare. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> don't that's, do it. Yeah, it's like, that's a Red Sox move. Because he's a big name that people recognize. Right. It's like, you know, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but don't just don't do it. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. And I, I I don't think 
I think if there was no Chris Sale, if you didn't, hmm. if you didn't have a Chris Sale, I think Chris is huge for multiple reasons, and not to diminish or belittle his, he's a veteran and he's done it and he's won a World Series and he knows what it takes and yes, he's struggling. I mean, he was not great today, and but having Chris Sale in the clubhouse with your younger pitchers with your Brian Bayos and your young guys that are coming up like it's important to have a veteran presence Mm -hmm. if you were a pitching staff that was like if Bayo was like your ace and he was the and you had nothing but like young guys that were unproven then I might say you know maybe wouldn't be thrilled about it but I might say yeah like go bring in a veteran like Madison Bumgarner who's done it don't expect a lot out of him don't expect him to be your ace but bring him in like let him show these guys what it's like to be a major league starter and pitch in every five days and prepare and all this. You have that. Like you have guys to do that. There's no need if you're the Sox to bring them in. Yeah. I'm sure there's a team out there that might just because again, of what he has done in the past and what he can bring the locker room. But Jesus, I, I hope it, I hope any team that does it, I hope they don't expect anything from him because he, he's been awful. Yeah, I mean, he's he had a four or five year stretch where he was so key to San Francisco. Oh yeah, and then the decline oh, was yeah. so rapid. Uh, but the hard part is that fi- that the last year he was really good was back in 2016. I mean, he's been pretty mediocre ever since and horrendous the last three or four years. But I agree. I I, I think a contender is going to be like, no thanks, we don't need him. But yeah. is there a team out there that's going to say, look, he's being DFA, which means the which means the D backs have to pay him. All we got to do is pay him the league minimum. Is there somebody out there willing to take a chance to throw him into the into the rotation? Um, I even heard somebody say, "Do you get him as a bullpen arm? Does he become like a long guy for cheap money?" Um, I don't know. I feel like somebody may go get him and see if they can if he can they can turn him into a reclamation project. But there's something that tells me with, with Bumgarner that there's a problem with his arm, and he's the kind of guy who's going to fight through it because that's his bulldog mentality of "I'm never going to admit that I'm hurt." But he, you can't be this bad for this long after being that good without there being some explanation for it. His mechanics look good. His velocity's dipped a little bit. He doesn't look he doesn't look like he's he's old and tired. The guy's 33. But there's something wrong and something changed along the line. I don't know if it's a if it's a nagging problem. Maybe this is a guy that needed Tommy John years ago and fought through it. I don't know, but it just it's hard to explain how a guy goes from being as good as he was to declining so quickly um, with there not being any kind of change in anything other than um, location. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And like I said, like, like no joke since the dirt bike accident, he hasn't been the same pitcher. Yeah. He just, he hasn't. All right. Let's move on to one of the best franchises in major league baseball history. The Oakland A's have signed a binding contract to purchase land in Las Vegas. The Oakland A's are off to a four and 17 start. They are the worst in franchise history. They have a negative 100 run differential through 21 games, which is the worst in major league history. It's so bad. Now, the Oakland A's fans, we mentioned it last week, are still trying to um, still trying to plan that reverse boycott where they fill the entire stadium, which I think would be hilarious to see if they actually yep. did it. However, Manfred just came out this afternoon defending the A's owner, saying that the Oakland city government was not cooperating with them at all to get them a new ballpark. 
So that's why ultimately the franchise is deciding to move to Vegas because they have the land, because they have the plan to bring the A's there. And Vegas City Council's all for it. So I don't obviously don't know the intricacies of all of that stuff, the behind the scenes stuff, but I mean, and for Manfred to come out and defend him doesn't really mean much for me either. Yeah. But um, you know, the Oakland A's fans are saying that the market's here. We want you guys to stay, but you're not putting out a product. And he's one of the wealthiest owners in the league. And he's just not putting a competitive team on the field. Yep. Is the right move for them to, I mean, it's obviously the right move for them now because apparently Oakland's not cooperating with them, but the move to Vegas, good for the A's, bad for the A's. I, I mean, I don't think it's bad because I, I don't think they could stay either. So th- that, that I was reading all, I was reading all the posts on, on online about this and all these different talking heads and, some people want to blame the Oakland A's. Some people want to blame Major League Baseball. Some people want to blame the city of Oakland. The reality of it is none of them were working together anymore and had decided a long time ago they weren't going to work together anymore. The Oakland A's have been, has, have been asking for years for ballpark upgrades or a new ballpark, and the city has dragged its feet, dragged its feet, dragged its feet, finally went and raised a little bit of money for the product for the, for the project like a month ago, knowing full well the Oakland A's had already told them to go pound sand to try to save, to try to save some grace. So the city basically told Oakland, we're not getting you anything. Like we don't, we're not getting you a new ballpark. All those pictures you've shown, we're not doing, we'll try to find you some money and maybe make some of the upgrades you want. But that ballpark was in terrible shape. Um, and the city didn't want to play ball. And then you got the Oakland A's who said, fine, you don't want to play ball. We're going to, we're going to make it because keep in mind, the city owns the stadium. The Oakland A's do not. So the ownership basically said, okay, well, here's, here's, here's back to you city. We're going to make sure nobody comes to the games. So you're going to make no money on this stadium you're paying for. So ha ha, you know, tricks, the the jokes on you. We're going to run this team into the ground. Nobody's going to come to the game. So we're going to, so we're going to be able to get out of here. And it was just, they were playing this nasty game of chicken for years. That was only going to end one of two ways. Either the city was going to cave and buy them a ballpark or they were going to leave. And ultimately they got to a point where they decided to leave. Is it good for them? I think it is because they got to get out of Oakland. And the, and the Raiders left for the same reason, because the city does not want to invest. They don't want the traffic. They don't want the headache. They don't have the space. The city doesn't want professional sports there. As much as they say they do, they don't. And they've proven time, time and again they don't. So I think Oakland had to go, and I think the city of Oakland will be better off with them not there. So all three professional franchises are gone. Mm-hmm. Golden State is now in San Francisco. Oakland Raiders are in Vegas, and now the Oakland A's are in Vegas. And they so all Oakland, left for the same reason. Yep. Absolutely insane. If, it, if only the Oakland A's had left and everybody else was still there happy and singing Kumbaya, I'd say it's the A's fault. The fact that every professional sports franchise has left Oakland for the same reason because yep. facilities and infrastructure, that's a city problem. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, ultimately the people that get hurt are the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's unfortunate. And anyone that's, that was a diehard, you know, Golden State Warriors fan, like, they moved to San Francisco. I mean, they're across the bridge. Like, right. it's, yeah. it's, it's inconvenient, It you know, depending on, you know, where the location was previously. Like, maybe you got to travel a little bit further, go to games. But, you know, it's, it's – that's more of an inconvenience. It's like a seven-hour commute across that bridge in traffic. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I, you know, but – 
for the Raiders and for the A's. I mean, it's 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 the fans that ultimately get hurt. They get hosed. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a shame that an area like that cannot keep professional sports franchises. It it seems like such a great place to put them, but it clearly hasn't worked for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're gonna have some movement here in the next four or five years. I mean, the A's are gonna move to Vegas probably. I would say three years, maybe. Didn't it say twenty twenty six? I thought I saw. Well, they're they're yeah, they're talking about moving early. Earlier than uh, so they they think they may have a ball they're they're trying to have a ballpark for 2027. They're talking okay, about yeah. may, maybe moving as soon as as soon as 2025 or 2026, but they would need to take the Aviators ballpark and put artificial mm. turf on it and make some adjustments yeah, to yeah, that yeah, so yeah, they could yeah. play there temporarily. So there's a, as as I think Manfred said, there's still a lot of wood to chop on this deal to figure it out. But they uh, the Oakland Athletics have basically decided to move. MLB is uh, is supporting the move that hasn't been approved yet. And so, now they're already planning on if the ballpark's ready for 2027, can they get there a little bit earlier and share the ballpark with the aviators? Yeah. And that's, that's crazy because now you're thinking 26, 27, we possibly have two expansion teams at that point yeah. and a team re- relocation. Like it's going to MLB could be looking a lot different in 2026, 27. So kind that's of excited good. for that kind of cool to see, you know, sure. a little bit of change. Cause I remember the, the excitement when like, the Rockies and the Marlins came in. I mean, especially around us in Portland, like, oh my God, we got professional baseball in Portland. Like, this is awesome. Um, so just like the, those two expansion teams, and then when the Rays and Diamondbacks came in, it was like another shot. Like, it was just, it was just really cool. So to see two other teams and a team uh, relocation is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's and if you look at the overhead of Vegas, you know, you're going to have T-Mobile Arena, which is that multi-purpose indoor space that they do like UFC fights and all kinds of stuff, and the Golden Knights play at. Down the street, across the street, you're gonna have the A's, and down the street, you got the Raiders with Allegiant. You're gonna have this pretty, pretty cool, all-inclusive sports complex surrounded by convention centers and infrastructure. That's gonna make one hell of a downtown area. Yeah, it's really cool. A uh, couple things also lead off. Uh, Mookie Betts, I mean, just does it all. Dude gets his first career start at shortstop after paternity leave. Just has a kid, just comes back to the team, plays short, no biggie, you know. Yeah, first career and, start, whatever. It looks absolutely amazing. I mean, yes, he came up as he came up as an infielder, so he has those skills anyway. But he's just a ridiculous athlete. But uh, so smooth. The plays he made mm-hmm. were just unreal. You can't be surprised. Really cool. No, no, you can't I'm be not surprised. surprised. But it's still like he's such a good. Oh, athlete. it's awesome. It's still, it's so crazy. But. He, he's he's such a tremendous athlete. The guy could play anywhere. He could probably go out there and and pitch you a few ball games if you needed them to. Like he's he's insanely athletic. He's such a baseball guy. Like he knows the game through and through. One of those guys that you know he's a he's a coach in the field. He he reads the game well. He plays the game well. Like he is the whole package. Dude, a Rosalina with another double. Anyways, the dude is a freak. I mean, every night then- it's something. We're gonna. I'm gonna go over the uh, the top five records in baseball as of last night. Um, tell me. I want you guys after I read them if they're pretenders or contenders. Oh, all right. Okay. Texas Rangers have the fifth best record at 14 and seven. Pretender or contender? Contender. Mm-hmm. Contender. Baltimore Orioles 14 and seven. Pretender or contender? Contender. No pretender. Interesting. Milwaukee, fifteen and seven. They're third. 
Contender. Yeah, I'd lean towards contender. Not totally sold, but contender. Pittsburgh Pirates, 16 and 7. Second best record in the MLB right now. Pretender. I wish they were a contender, but they're a pretender. I, they, they won't be there in the end, but boy, they've been fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, probably. But listen, it's, it's, I'll, I'll give you a pretender, but with an asterisk. This okay. is like when Nick picks both, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. A, no, because no I, man I, Dan answer. In in my no, because pretender. Like I don't think they'll be there in the end. But I won't like the way Harrison said it. Like Harrison will be shocked if we get to August and the Pittsburgh Pirates are are playing That's games fair. that mean that mean that they might win the division. Oh no, I mean pretender in the fact that they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're not a fifth place team. Like they're but they're going to be yeah, they're going to be good. But yeah. but yeah, I'm saying contender in the sense that like, I'll say pretender because you know it's you got to do it for more than a couple of weeks. But right. the way that they're doing it, it's they're not running into little league teams that are throwing the ball all over the yard and they're just taking advantage. Like they are right. pitching wise, they're shutting teams down. Yep, they are getting insanely timely hits. They are getting sixth, seventh, eighth inning home runs that are putting them ahead or extending leads. And then they have a legitimate closer that mm-hmm. does not give you any breathing room like it's it's a team that impressively is winning games and so yes you have to do it for more than two weeks no question but i say the asterisk part because if this team is continuing to do it this way they will be playing games in august where you're saying it's going to be between milwaukee and pittsburgh for winning the division which is i didn't think i would i was i would be saying that at the beginning of the year but well, and the Cubs aren't they far are behind impressive. either in the cent- in the central. No, the Cubs had the Cubs were my surprise pick. I still, I've watched a few. I, I still think the Cubs are maybe a year or two away. I agree. Um, yeah, but but yeah, there's they they had a great month so far. Yep. And yeah, then I mean, we get I, to. I think I think Pittsburgh. To your point. I think that's they're probably going to finish second or third in this division. When I thought they'd be third or fourth in this division, so that yeah. that team is is better than I ever expected them to be. They're they're definitely more solid, but I go I go back to exactly the point you made, Sean, which is young team, inexperienced. Can they do it for a while, or can they can they do it for spurts? But they, they are I I uh, they are like must see TV for me right now. They they play mm-hmm. such solid baseball. They play small ball. They can hit home runs. Like they they do it all, and they do it well. And I would love to see them play well all season. And it's almost like they've stepped up in the absence of O'Neill Cruz too. You yeah, know what I mean? better. Like, right. You know, like, I mean, losing him's a big deal, right? Huge. I mean, especially for us three. We're hoping yeah, I mean, it's, him. yeah. Dude, but like to step up and. I wanted my fanboy moment. And, right. But to step up and fill that gap, because I mean, that dude can get up and hit a 130 mile an hour rocket at any time too. Like, I mean, that's a pretty, like figuratively and literally big hole to fill. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think what's really helped them is, is their starting pitching has been fantastic. Yeah. They've been great. It, it, it's been absolutely top of the league and that's not hyperbolic. I mean, they've been, they have been like, I, I had to look it up earlier. I think they're top five in all like major starting pitching statistics, whether it's ERA, yeah. whether it's whip, whether it's hits per nine, like they just the starting pitching has been fantastic. Their starter yesterday that, went eight innings, like no runs, two hits, like eleven Ks. So like the starting pitching is the one thing. Like when we talk about Pittsburgh, that I'll sit there and say, okay, water's going to find its level. Like 
I, I do think things will come back a little bit. Like I don't think they have five Cy Young award winners on the, on the rotation. It seems like it right now. Right. Um, so, you know, those things will start to come back, but they're also not winning games with a team average of like 125. like they're hitting the ball. So even when the starting pitching does come back to earth a little bit, you know, as long as, you know, you're going to go through slumps, but as long as the team doesn't go through a month long slump, they're still going to win ball games. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they are the, they are the eighth ranked overall pitching staff in baseball. Overall. Yeah. So overall. there you go. I mean, that's eighth. three, six, three team ERA. I mean, you can dig into that further and find statistics with their top five for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Overall. Eighth, you know, that's, to, you know, to, they lead the league in saves, you know, when they get, mm-hmm. when they have a, when it's a close game, they win them. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, this team is, they're winning in with fundamental baseball, which is not usually, which is not usually subject to slumps when you're playing fundamental baseball, but. And that's, that's not what you would think with our generation Pittsburgh Pirates. No, hell no. Like our generation <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates did not win with no. fundamental baseball. Nope. So it's, you know, it's a credit to, to the organization. I mean, they've, they've put in the work and I mean, these, yep. this Cabrian Hayes guy, I mean, we, because, because of the Manny Machados in San Diego and the Nolan Arenados in St. Louis and rightfully so by, by all means, but Cabrian Hayes defensively, I think it's slept on a little bit. This guy is, I mean, you, you should tune in to those of you, those six of you watching or listening. I would tune into Pittsburgh Pirate Games for when they're in the field and just and just hope that you catch some Cabrian Hayes plays. This guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I can't, I can't remember which announcer was saying it the other night, but he was like, sorry, Nolan Arenado. I know if I, you have my number and you're going to text me after I say this. He's like, but Cabrian Hayes defensively is right up there with you. He so, is, I mean, man. He, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, the, the tough thing with Nolan Arenado is like, kind of get caught. Yeah, like you get caught up with the Cabrian Hayes because he is so good right now. Yeah. Let's let Cabrian Hayes come talk to me in 2033. And if he's right. still this good, then it's like, all right, you're on Nolan Arenado's level. Right. Because like, Nolan Arenado has been doing it, you know, since. 10 like, plus years. Jesus, now. I was in like yep. college for Christ's sakes. So. Yep. yep. And, and they moved him to the leadoff spot. And ever since the Pirates mm. have moved him to the leadoff spot, he has been an absolute table setter for that lineup. So Yeah, um, I mean, I think that was a good move on multiple accounts. And yes. I think personally, I shouldn't say personally because I don't know Cabrian Hayes, but I think for him individually, it's been good because it's allowed him to just relax and be the kind of hitter that he is. I feel like yep. he's comfortable in that spot when he's not in the five, six, feeling like he's got to be the guy that driving run runs in. Yep. Like you're just we're the you're the guy that we need you to just set the table, which is yep. you know certain guys have that skill set. He just looks much more comfortable at the plate in that in that spot. Um, I mean, she's it's it's worked out for him and the team, so it's been great. Yeah, and the the one I will say probably the most underrated move of the entire offseason was bringing Andrew McCutcheon back to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. has he looks like a different guy. He looks five years younger. He's he's been a really good steadying force, a good steadying veteran force for that young group. And uh, when you when you watch them play, you watch them in the dugout. Like guys are always around him. They're talking to him. They're listening to him. Uh, he's been, I think, like having a coach on the field with this young team, which I think has been massive to their development I too. I agree. I agree fully. The guys are always around him. Yeah. Uh, then we come to the top spot. 
You know, the oh, nineteen and, the nineteen and three Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, it's yeah. contenders. They do what don't they do? They still I mean, haven't lost at home. They're up seven to three against the Astros tonight. And they're threatening again. Like it's just I mean, what, like what don't they do? They pitch well, their bullpen's really good. They hit home runs, they hit for average, they lead all of baseball in RBIs. They don't again, what we talked about for years, they just they don't give games away. They're great defensively. Their manager is really, really good. Really good. To the point that like you expect them to roll out of bed and win 90, 92 games. And I feel like Kevin Cash doesn't get the credit he deserves for how good and consistent he is. Yeah. And he is. So, I mean, contender all the way. I mean, it's. Yeah. They're crazy good. There hasn't been a game this year that they haven't homered in, which is also yeah, just a mind blowing stat, too. Like, right. Homered in every game this year. It's, it's well, insane. And I don't know where I don't know where they mint all these pitchers, but they just continue to roll these arms through that organization. Just uh, they just march them through. It, it's it's impressive. I mean, I and I I picked them to be a playoff team. I did not. I thought they'd you know probably sneak into the third spot in the AL East and and win a wild card. But my goodness, they uh they you know similar to the Pirates, they do it in all the phases right now. Like they're. The defense is ridiculous. Every night, somebody's making some crazy play late in the game to to save a lead. You got everybody's hitting, everybody's pitching. Like they they're doing everything. That Taj Bradley, another Rays rookie, has oh, come yeah. up and just absolutely made an an impact already. It's it's like you said, it's just young arm after young yeah. arm. It's nauseating, really. These guys well, you don't this... even know are are they just come up every year and light it up. Yeah, I mean, this is where I think like you look at a team in the, in the way that these young arms are coming up for Tampa Bay and you want to, as a Red Sox fan, you want to say, okay, like let's, you know, the Heimblum scenario. And I know Heimblum is not the only guy in Tampa. They had, you know, a whole front office full of talent evaluators, but you see how many times they, they hit with these young pitchers. And I, I wonder if there's there's two aspects to it, right? It's the ability to evaluate talent and then the ability to develop the talent throughout the minor league system. Right. And I wonder how much better the Tampa Bay Rays developing talent is when it comes to these young pitchers than the Boston Red Sox ability to develop. It might not have that. It might not be that much of a gap between the ability to identify the talent, yep. but the ability to take these guys at 19, 20, 21, 22 years old and develop them in the minor leagues to get them ready to come play for you at the big league level, which ultimately is what the minor leagues is for. And yep. and I, I have to believe that even before the Heimblum, but even specifically since he's been here in Boston, every year you hear about two or three young studs they have in the minors that either come up and in, in, it's, I am not by any stretch giving up on Brian Bell bail, but you know, he's kind of looked a little bit herky jerky here. Like I wonder, do I think he has good stuff? Absolutely. Do I think they, they were wrong with the talent evaluator? No, I think his stuff is disgusting, but he doesn't look like a guy that's ready to pitch night right. every five days at the major league level. And I just, you wonder, like, you know, he's the general manager or the chief baseball operator, you know, whatever his his official title is with the Red Sox. 
rightfully so, he's going to get a lot of the flack. But you wonder, like, as an organization, like, when are we going to take the hint that it's more than just the guy that's drafting them? And it's more along the lines of the people that are developing these young guys at the lower levels to make sure that they're ready. I don't care how good someone is. And, you know, no offense to the people that live in Portland, you know, but like, I don't care how good a guy is in double A. I really don't like, let's make sure he's ready to pitch at triple A make sure he's ready just because he has good numbers in single and double A doesn't necessarily mean that they're developing the way you want them to develop. Right. I don't know. I guess that's just my long way of looking at the Tampa Bay Rays and you look at the way these young pitchers, it seems like they can't miss with pitching and it's like, what's going on down there? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the Rays were the MLB organization of the year in 2021 because of the, the whole basket of prospects they developed and they've, they've gotten that title many times. They've had the top farm system for a long, long time, but I, I agree with Sean that, we had this debate going a couple weeks ago, you know, it doesn't matter how players get here and development versus, you know, draft versus trade and how do you develop them? And I think for the Rays, what they, what they've done. And I think that, and that's what you were hoping Heim Bloom brings is that, you know, yeah, got, develop, you know, find guys with talent, get them here somehow, whether you trade for them, draft them, pick them up and pick them up for ages, doesn't matter, but you've got to have a way to develop these guys and get them through the farm system in a way where they, you know, those skills translate. And the Red Sox historically have been, have been pretty good at developing position players. Mm-hmm. They've not been terribly good at developing pitchers. They've tended to go out and find pitching, and they have not developed nearly as much pitching. But th- that's not like a new thing. The Red Sox historically have not developed pitchers. Um, you think of homegrown pitchers, and the list is very short of guys that made an impact in Major League Baseball. Think about position players. they get The, the list is very long of guys they developed. So I, I think that the Rays have done a really nice job figuring out how to develop pitchers. The Red Sox have always gone out and been and been shoppers for those pitchers. Um, I'd like to believe that that'll change, but if you look at the Red Sox farm system, the top prospects are loaded with position players. It's more of the same. Yeah. Which and that's okay, and that's exactly that's, that's okay because again, it's it's to win World Series and to have franchise, you have to be able to develop and exactly bring in outside talent. But you have to know that then. Like, you have to know that as an organization. Yep. And you have to say, when we're lacking pitching, like, that means we have to go get guys because we, we don't have the ability to develop them. Yep. So let's go get some pitching. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. They have it. You know, do, do what you're good at and fill in the holes of where you're not. Right. Yep. And I'm sorry, but like, Rich Hill isn't the answer. And, you know what I mean? Like just filling in guys like that. If you know well, that's your weakness, then you got to make a legitimate move but, towards somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't have necessarily a problem with going to get taking a flyer on the Michael Walkers, who right. quietly was really good last year when he was yeah, who actually really good. was good. Like when he was healthy, he was good. Nick Pavetta last year was good. You know, aside from one start this year, he's been good. Rich Hill was fine for you last year. Your problem last year, as much as people want to. Your problem last year was not necessarily the starting pitching. It was the bullpen, and it was the lack of closer, which is why you had 90-something losses. But the starting pitching wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. But going out and getting the guys like the Michael Walkers and the Rich Hills, those guys aren't the problem. No. They didn't have an ace to surround them with, which, I mean, you need an ace. If you want to be a team that's competitive and win and go to the postseason, you got to have an ace. can't do it without one. Um, That's been their their kind of downfall when it comes to the starting pitching is Chris Sale was the guy that they paid to be the ace through 2024 or whatever. And 
since 2019, he really hasn't been able to do it. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rich Hill is like, you know, it's like Belichick going out and picking up Roosevelt Colvin off somebody's scrap heap, and he ends up being a really good oh, player for you. Like, fantastic. You, like, you you don't know what you're going to get, but you're willing to take the chance. Like, I look at this year's rotation that's filled in with guys like, you know, Corey Kluber. The Red Sox didn't sign Corey Kluber thinking he's going to go out there and win 12 to 15 games for you. He's going to go out there and give you some decent starts, hopefully, which he hasn't yet. Um, but I don't think the Red Sox were necessarily expecting to be super competitive this year. I think this is a, a bridge year to next year when you get a, a you've got a number of young guys that are going to start to pop up to this level. That's when you go. That's you wait till you've got the the team around them. Then you think you go make those those big moves and bring in a couple of arms. But for now, they're piecemealing it together. I think to get to where they're going. That's why all these guys are signed to short term deals. Yeah, it's fair. It's a bridge. All right. Let's uh, move to the fifth inning, our favorite matchups of the past week. Um, I'll start. I I am high on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Huh. Um, they played the Padres last week. They did lose three out of four to the Padres, yep. but they were in every single game. Like, they didn't get blown mm-hmm. out. The game they won was 9 nothing, um, and it was a couple of, of two-run losses. But they were, like, in every single game. I know they're on the West Coast. They're hard for a lot of people to watch, but um, they're worth it. They're young. They're fast. They, I, I, they're just exciting for me to watch it right now. I, I love watching them. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. No, they're an exciting team. I um, I, I found myself watching a lot of that series. San Diego is a team that intrigues me and kind of puzzles me. You know, Arizona's fun to watch. Um, I did find myself checking out the Toronto Yankee series quite a bit. Uh, it yep. was kind of fun to see those two go head to head. And I love the whole, like, you know, Vlad Guerrero's like the new Pedro Martinez in New York. They just hate him. Um, and he hates them. And I, he does. He op- openly he hates them. them back. Yeah. And, and like, I the, love how uh, he brings it back to his feet. He's like, oh, it's a family decision. I'll never play for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that no, cracks it's, me up. It's, I love he's that. He's very open about his dislike for them and then how far yeah. up the chain it goes. And then um, the Houston Atlanta series, which I thought was going to be a lot more competitive, Houston really smacked them around. Yeah. Um, it was a good series. Like it was, the, the games were good, but Houston definitely uh, woke up. As you know, they were my they were one of my disappointing teams a week ago, and you know they clearly woke up last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you my uh, the two the two you know home teams, if you want to call them for me, the Sox and Milwaukee was great. I mean, to to mm-hmm. go in there and take two out of three, um, super impressive. The way that they did it too on Sunday yesterday, um, you know, it's their fourth win. Fourth win this year when trailing after seven innings. They had four all of last year. They've got four already in the first month of April. Uh, And I I think that tells you a lot about this team that they're they're They don't give up. It's a team that's going to, it's going to scratch and claw and fight. Uh, They fight for the guys in in their own clubhouse. They, they seem to be very close, um, you know, and they have belief in themselves, which, you know, we saw it again. I'm not saying this team is going to the ALCS, but you look at 2021 that was a team that people didn't expect a lot out of, but they believed in themselves. And that was a team that 21, 2021 team was a team that was never out of a game, yeah. never out until that final out that I get those kinds of vibes from this team. Again, not a hundred wins or anything like that, but that kind of vibe in uh, the Milwaukee series showed you that. And then yeah. the Mets overall uh, out West, they went seven and three in their, their 10 games out West. Um, just looked really solid, looked really good. They got some timely hitting up and down the lineup, um, some pretty good pitching. So 
Uh, those were two kind of, I was certainly personally tied into those two, those two teams last week. And yep. no, they, neither one disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Great comment by Doug. Yeah. Soxy more Jay Grooms than John Lester's in terms of developing pitchers. It's, it's true. Also, and that's real, historic. For yeah. those of just anyone that has the ability, sorry, Nick, put on the Sox Orioles right now. It's top of the ninth tying run. The Sox have no outs. Yoshida just had a leadoff walk, but the Orioles just brought in this uh, Yanir Cano. This guy is disgusting. I don't know if you guys have watched this guy. I've not seen him now. Oh, oh, he has a he has a changeup. He throws it like ninety three. No joke, it has like 24 inches of like of break on it. It's Jesus. outrageous to change up. This guy's unbelievable. Anyways, Sorry, you're gonna Nick. make me cry since I can't watch that game. Sorry. Yeah, Nick oh, is what? Nick is blacked out of the entire East Coast. Let me just turn on the Braves. Oh, nope. Let me turn on the national nope. Nope. Sorry. Anyways. I love the fact that you have to go to an Orioles or Nationals game to actually see one. <laughs> right. It's a six hour drive. <laughs> yeah. Um Anyways, any other – and then the Mets. You wanted to touch on the Mets? Yeah, no, I just – they went out west, San Francisco, L.A. They took 7 out of 10. They went 7-3. They had a Buck, great road trip. Yeah. Classic Buck. Classic Buck said we came out here to win them all, but I'll take 7. And absolutely, you know, it was <laughs> it was, Buck. it was good. It he, was good. Uh, he got interviewed in between innings, and they were like, oh, is uh, – uh, He blocked. Yep. All right. He goes – uh, uh, McGill was on the mound and the, the on-field uh, reporter was like, hey, Buck, like, are we going to see McGill out there next inning? He goes, the other team's watching. I'm not telling you. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's the best. He's like, you don't think they're watching in the other dugout? He's like, I'm not telling you anything. He's like, all right, back up to you. <laughs> but, yeah. So all old right. school. Right. All right. How about um, some upcoming series for you guys? What do you see coming down the pipe that could be interesting? I have one on my radar that I think could be an early benchmark for a team we were just talking about. Oh, you, what do you got? Go Dodgers at Pirates. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is this is going to give the Pirates. I mean, it's at home. It's at in Pittsburgh, but it's going to yep. it's going to test the Pirates early and see like. You know, I want to revisit this after the series is over and see how they fared. But, you know, I mean, is this start a fluke or are they going to be able to stay up with some of these top tier teams? Yeah, and it's it's fair yeah. and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a good test. I think Pittsburgh, again, you know, fundamental baseball, the Dodgers have been a little bit streaky. That'll be a fun matchup. Um, I, I, I'm looking at... Um, you know, Houston, Tampa Bay, I think is going to be a good one to see where Tampa Bay is at and if Houston really figured things out. I'm also, I'm really looking forward to um, Seattle, Philadelphia too. Those are two teams that are both, I think, better than they've played mm-hmm. that are still scuffling a little bit, trying to find their way. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those teams go at it. I, I do think they both play, uh, they do both play very different styles of baseball, uh, but very fun to watch. Yeah, agree. Uh, yeah, Angels I mean, I, at I, Brewers I is a weird oh, one. Yeah. I was just saying uh, Angels at Brewers. You know, it's just a matchup that you don't yeah, see in this balanced schedules, like, you know, throwing me yeah. for a loop with some of these matchups. It's kind of cool. Also, Spen- Spencer Strider's got a perfect game going through six. Um, I, I, keep my, I keep checking that one. So, another one for me, two teams that I, I have been kind of sluggish to get out of the gate, uh, Seattle and Philadelphia. That one's starting tonight, or I think it's already started. 
actually probably. Um, that's when I just, you know, I, I could see a team. I could see either one of those teams coming up with a sweep. Yep. Yeah. And that's sure. kind of getting them back on track. Yeah. Uh, another team that's been really scuffling is the White Sox. That is so funny. No. What They're... are we laughing at? Because <laughs> that's literally I, the matchup. I here. had just gone just through Seattle, Philadelia. Oh, but it... <laughs> I was clearly watching this guy's perfect game. I'm sorry. That's why we were laughing. We. We I, lost you because you're watching the game. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was clearly watching Spencer Strider not paying attention. It's sorry. Awesome. Uh, sorry. We, that's why, we didn't say anything. We were just letting you go with it. Yeah. Listen, I. that's my bad. Hey, some, hey a, hand up. No, but, it, but you, you said the same thing I did. I mean, it's. That's on me. It, yeah. It well, I mean, it, it is, it is going to be a good series because, like, does be. any one of them come out of their slump? Do they? And his perfect game's over on an error from Matt Olson. Oh, that's yeah, my bad, on. boys. That's my bad. An error. That's, That's right. the worst way yeah. to lose it. I mean, it couldn't have been any worse than getting tackled by your catcher to ruin your perfect game, oh. right? That one was bad too. Oh. Oh, we'll get to that one in a minute. But one one uh, other one other series I want to mention too. Um, and this is gonna be right this is gonna be right in Sean's viewpoint. The back end of the week is gonna be Atlanta coming to yeah. New York to play the Mets. Yeah. That those two teams when they go at it, it's always fun. Yeah. Especially because yeah. the Mets have be really turn the corner like they're back to being the Mets. Yeah, I got the Mets Atlanta too. That should be a good one. All right. Let's move on to our rounding third question, which was other than Otani, obviously, who has been the most exciting player to watch so far this this mm -hmm. year? Yeah, so, so go my ahead. uh yeah, my my choice was uh and this started back in the World Baseball Classic is Randy Arozarena. I swear to God, every night that guy is doing something crazy, whether it's a, a big hit, a crazy play, a great throw. The guy is, he's nothing but energy and excitement all the time. And I was not a huge Arozarena fan his rookie of the year season. I thought he was kind of a, I don't know, he's one of those players, I think, that took stupid risks and showboated a lot of stuff that wasn't worth showboating. But watching that guy play, he is he's fast, he's loose, he's fun. That whole team is is excitement and energy, and I feel like he's like the he's like leading the band right now. But yeah, I, I feel like every night that guy's doing something, and I've really enjoyed watching. I've not traditionally liked watching the Rays. I've really enjoyed watching the Rays so far this year. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Matt Olson didn't just commit an error, dude. He booted the hell out of that ball. That yeah, was a routine it was, ground ball. It was it was one of those things where like Yikes. part of you part of your brain has to be like. Did Matt Olson bet against a perfect game? Because like, that was <laughs> that was that, really was, that was a bad ground ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Henry did he LaRose, bet against it? We have, yeah, uh, we had did, did have some comments on uh, it. Henley LaRose said Cody Bellinger and the Cubs have been a nice surprise. Um, that's a great Cody call. Bellinger. Cody Bellinger yeah, is great. a fantastic call by him. Yep. And he looks like a totally different guy in Chicago. And and all of us were saying that we wanted him to to go and rejuvenate his career yep. in Chicago. And I'm glad that he's found a place. And he's, he's doing well. He well. was when we talked before the season. I mean, I, I I think we all were in agreement that it is he he's one of the ultimate change of scenery guys. Oh yeah, like yeah. he's he's still young. He still has the talent. It's like he just needs to get out of L.A. Change yeah. of scenery. So yeah. great call out by him. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And what's interesting is that that they're doing a breakdown of him. I want to say it was a week ago and. When you look at his at his splits, really the the shift has contributed a little bit to his batting average improvement, but it's really more so been been his contact. He's actually just hitting the ball harder, and yep. he was in a, he was in a funk there where he just wasn't making a lot of squared up contact. 
Yep. Yeah, my guy, the shift I'll just take real quick. My guy in that, Joey Gallo. Yeah. Joey Gallo's been awesome. He's been a, another kind of change of scenery guy who's been really good in, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, yep. he, he, hitting the ball hard, hitting the home runs. And not just – like Joey Gallo seems to always get up with a couple guys on base. And yeah. he has been fantastic with runners on. Absolutely fantastic. So yeah. that's that's another really good one, I think, change of scenery. Uh, has been really good so far for him for the first month. I'm wondering if the shift too is just taking that mind game out of the hitters' heads. Um, you know what so I mean? I Instead I of being know, like, maybe I I think there's a real thing. You have to pitch guys differently too. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, and we we've talked about, about, about too, it. Yeah. You you can't just Bust pitchers know. Day. Right. Pitchers know that they have an extra guy on the other side of the field. They yep. they can get away with just busting guys in and then occasionally going out because they know the hitter's just going to yep. roll over anyways. You have to pitch guys differently because you don't have that extra yeah, that sense. extra defender. Totally so I think agree. that's also playing a role as well too. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it, yeah the, the whole approach is different, entirely different start to finish. But I, I do think you look at a guy like Gallo, similar to Cody Bellinger, um, you know, they – Somewhere new, Gallo seems more relaxed. New York was a terrible spot for him. That the way that place ground him down, the way the media got him, the way the fans got on him, Gallo was a miserable dude um, for the for the last bit of his his stay in New York. And another guy that go to Minnesota, you can kind of go hide there a little bit and just get back to playing baseball. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing I think fans oftentimes overlook is when you're in those big markets, Boston, New York. The attention you get, the scrutiny you get, talk radio, you know, newspapers, you, magazines, conversations around the water cooler on the subway. Like you don't you can't hide from that. These big city markets, as we've seen with Boston, a lot of guys won't come here because they do not want to play here. Yeah. You know, it is a different thing when you're in those big cities. Sure. Um, Nick Fanning said Ryan Mountcastle has been a lot of fun to watch. He's been he's, awesome. He's been on a tear, too. Um, and then. Randy said he was enjoying O'Neill Cruz until well, <laughs> you know, weren't we all aforementioned? Oh man. Um yeah, I'm just yeah. What about you, Sean? Who's been your your player to to watch? Uh, you know, Devers has been great. I mean, I I, I literally I I've probably missed missed a total of like maybe one and a half to two innings of the Sox all year. So I've watched a lot of them. Um, Devers has been really excited. I mean, he just hits the ball hard. I mean, he's got the nine, I think today was nine home runs. I think. Yeah. His ninth. Uh, Have you looked at his stat line though? Yeah. It is such a weird stat line. It, it is. He's but hitting I, 255 I like, with a 297 OBP and a OBP, 914 yeah. OPS. It's so like, it's, what? It's one of those where I, I think he signed the big ticket. He's the face of the franchise. They let Xander walk so that they could keep him. Like, again, we talk about these guys being humans. Like, yep. that's it's a it's Rafi's been, you know, an MVP candidate for the past couple of years. Yep. This is a different feel for him, right? Yep. He's he's always come into spring training with his buddy Xander at shortstop, and he's at third base, and they've had JD Martinez and you know, they've always had these other guys that were more veteran and they're older and like it was their clubhouse. And not to say that he wasn't a big part of the team, but like this is now this sure. is Rafi's team. It's just it's it's I, I try to a guy like that. I try to cut him a little bit of slack. And another thing, too, and it's I, I got to give my brother credit, mentioned it the other day. Up here, 
like we live right outside of Boston. So anyone that's in like anyone that watches Ness in in, a, in that market, you can't watch TV for ten minutes without seeing a Jordan's furniture ad where Rafi is in the commercial, right? Yep. This poor guy is does not speak very good English. No. Like this poor guy is now being he's the face of the franchise. He's expected to win MVP year in and year out. He's expected to lead the league in home runs. Now he has to go on TV and speak in his second language. And it's like, it's just, his head is probably spinning. This, this oh, poor yeah. guy <laughs> is probably, it's probably taking it on the chin in so many different directions. So he's been exciting for me. The stat line's weird. Even with the lower average than you're expecting from him. And he hasn't drawn a lot of walks because he's really been up there hacking. Oh, he's yeah. hitting the ball so hard. Well, that's I, I laugh at the stat line more because he's got an OPS at nine fourteen. His OBP is only two ninety seven, which means he's slugging the crap out of the ball. His barrel rate is outrageous. Like I don't care it's, if it's off speed, fastball, in the zone, out of the zone. He's getting everything on the screws. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he's currently he's currently got his lowest career OBP and his highest career OPS. Oh, yeah. Right, simultaneously. <laughs> right, at the same time. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so Rafi for me has been one. I mean, Pete Alonso again, has been the other one just for the yeah. Mets. I mean, the Mets got off to a slow start offensively. Um, but Pete's just Pete. I mean, he's just slugging homers. He's just kind of sitting in the middle of the lineup, and he's just – he's waiting for everyone else to catch up, and then yeah. they're starting to catch up, and now the Mets are starting to score runs. Like, you know, those two guys have been fun for me just because I watch a ton of them. Um, yeah. You know. Um, I have I have two. Um, Adley Rushman, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, sure. this kid yeah. is, is the real deal for sure. Fantastic. Um, and then this other kid is a sleeper. I think he qualifies as a rookie. He's only got 183 at bats. Um, but the third baseman for the Texas Rangers, Josh Young, yeah, this yeah. kid hit two home runs in the first inning tonight. And he <laughs> nice. like, he's just, he's real deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, and add another, really take another good. Texas Ranger, uh, Jonah Heim. Yeah. Jonah Heim is another one that low average, like I think last night he was in the two twenty somewhere for his batting average. But boy, did this guy thump the baseball when he gets the bat on it. Well, and how about how about our good friend Adolis Garcia, the player of the week this week? <sighs> sure. And you could you could line it up with Rangers, dude. He had mm-hmm. three home runs before the fifth inning the other he night. Fi- he he had five extra base hits in that game. <laughs> it's, oh my god. I mean. So I I like again. I don't know if you guys talked about it last week. I like the I like their city connects. I do too. I like them. again. I want to. I don't get them. If you're going to go off the walls, go off the walls. Who cares? Who yeah. cares if you get them? They're sweet. The print is awesome. Yeah. Like the off white yeah. for the. They're not full white. They're like off white. Yeah. The color of the uniform. Awesome. All all of them. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, Harrison hit it right on the net. He's like, "It's the rice, it's the rice emblem, but with the yeah. San Antonio Spurs like mixed it, yeah. in there." Yeah, it made sure. me scratch my head. Yeah. But sure, but the thing is, I, I did not like them when they came out, and I said that on on the air last week. I was not a big fan of them. I didn't understand them. I thought they whiffed on getting all the history right. And then the Rangers realized that people didn't understand. They sent out the breakdown of why they created the uniforms the way they did. I put it on the Facebook page. Yeah. When you actually see how they put the history together, I go, oh, I get it. You did what I hoped you would do. I just didn't understand it until you explained it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like them more now. Yeah. So pretty cool. And I, I love I love Doug's point here. You know, half of Devers home runs look like he didn't make didn't even make good contact. They just end up going over the fence. Yeah. I mean, there, there are, he's got that, he's got that, I don't like his swing. He's got that slasher swing. 
And it's always hard to tell when he actually barrels a ball with that swing because of the angles he swings at. But my goodness, when he barrels one up, it just keeps going. It just carries. Yeah. He's like one of those guys that slams his bat down because he thought he flew out. Yeah, and it hits like, the, just keeps going. Hits it 390 feet, and he thinks it's yeah. a pop up. But it's, yeah, it he's is. The, he's the it's baseball version. He's the baseball version of Hideki Matsuyama. You ever watch him play golf? He, <laughs> yes. He'll hit one off the he'll hit one off the tee box, and then he'll like groan out loud, and then it's like striped yeah. down the fairway at like 325. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like what are you possibly upset about? Yeah, that's well, Rafi. Or like Tiger was at his peak, and he'd. Instead of hitting that blade in the grass in the middle, he was three blades over to it, and he'd be pissed that he, he was off center. Yeah, it's – but, I mean, we look at – okay, so real quick, real quick. 2023 percentile rankings for Rafi offensively. Average exit velocity, 93rd percentile. Hard hit rate, 92nd percentile. Yeah. Expected slugging, 93rd percentile. Barrel rate, 88th percentile. I mean, this guy – is getting the ball on the barrel yeah. better? He's than around the top ten and everything. Better than eighty-eight percent of baseball. Yep. Right. So, it, it's just he's been exciting because the stat lines would, but those kinds of things with the exit average exit velocity, the hard hit percentage, the yeah. barrel. I expect the hits to continue to come a bit more in bunches. Yeah. Like you expect the average to come back. You expect the, um, you know. But to your point, right? His. His walk percentage, 21st percentile. He's not walking a lot. No, he's not. He's he is going up there to hit. It's almost like it's almost like Rafi has this mindset now where he's like, Well, they don't pay me to walk. Yep. Like, so I'm not, you know, well, it's like and that and men's softball. league like, softball. I'm, I'm, yeah. Right. I'm not here to walk. Like, that's I didn't not pay fifty dollars to walk to first base. Sorry, yeah, and, guys, and in, in right. his in his right. defense too, he was never a guy that walked a lot. Like he's always walked a fair amount, but no, not a lot. But, but, but he is definitely going up there looking for a pitch to hit. I think the what makes Rafi such a, a dangerous hitter is his knowledge of the strike zone and his comfort level with not swinging at bad pitches. Yes. Like that's always what made him so dangerous is because you had to throw him a strike. Yeah. Cause if you didn't throw him a strike, he wasn't really going to chase it. Do those stats you have in front of you give you a chase rate? Yeah. I just closed it out. I got to pull it back up. It was, it was really good. It was like ninth percent. I was going to say, cause he's usually pretty good at keeping the, and only swinging yeah. stuff on the zone early no, in his career. He swung at everything. You look at that it's, entire Red Sox lineup, and not a lot of them chase. Tristan Cassis has a great knowledge of the strike zone. He does. Turner has a great knowledge of the strike zone. There's so I heard Yoshida does. You know, there's not a lot of swing, at not a lot of chasing in that lineup. But so I, we I are heard, passive in kind of that. I heard um, – I was listening to the radio coming back from my game today, and I heard Rob Bradford on the pregame, and – you know, they're talking about Tristan Cassis, who's been, who's been struggling. I mean, he's hitting under 200. He had a nice home run today, though. That ball was smacked, yep. 112 exit velocity. Um, and he's like, oh, it's kind of giving – you know, people are starting to get nervous because it's little shades of of Dahlbeck. I don't know if I fully agree. And, and the one I reason don't. is kind of what Nick brought up. Dahlbeck looked lost at the plate from the minute he came to the major leagues. Yes, he would run into a few and, like, hit the ball a mile. But he didn't seem to have an approach – he didn't walk very much. His chase rate was astronomical. Like he just looked lost. Like he didn't have a plan. Like he didn't, he was completely overwhelmed and he always looked that way. Cassis to me, doesn't look overwhelmed and he has a great knowledge of the strike zone. He'll take his walks. I mean, he, the Tampa Bay game. I mean, I know they lost, but he had that what 14 pitch at bat where he worked, a, worked a walk. Like he, yep. he is struggling to consistently hit the breaking pitch, which is a normal thing. I feel like for a young guy right. in his first foray through the major leagues, like, these guys are the best pitchers in the world. That's why they're in Major League Baseball. So 
I think patience with Tristan Cass is, is advised because I like his approach. I like his comfort level at the plate. He's frustrated, but he doesn't look uncomfortable and he does certainly doesn't look overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, he does that's not. my pitch for Cass. Cause I, I, I think, it, I think well, we're getting there with him. Yeah. And I agree with you. And, and here's why. So when I look at, when I look at his stat line, he was hitting a buck 29, which we get it. He's struggling, but he's, he's got a two seventy six OBP. He's worked 13 walks. He's got a, you know, obviously slugging for him doesn't matter at this point. Cause he's not getting the hits, but when you've got, when you've got 150 point spread batting average to OBP, that tells me that you're having good at bats. Like you're taking walks, you're getting deep in counts to be able to take those walks. He's got some command of the strike zone. There are times when you just don't square it up, or you you know you get you get beaten by a good pitcher. But I, but I think to your point, Sean Dahlbeck was often beating himself. Oh, yeah. Cassis is not beating himself. He is a 23 year old kid learning to hit at the major league level. He's getting beaten by experienced pitchers. That will change with his as he gets more at bats under his under his belt. Sure. But he's not beating himself like Dahlbeck always did. Well, and I, I think pitchers, you know, there's enough tape on him, you know, yep. as the saying goes at this point, to know that he struggles with the breaking pitch. Yep. So pitchers are throwing him one fastball to keep him honest. Yep. And if he if he misses, if he fouls it off or he misses the fastball, that's your one shot at the fastball. And now you're just going to get bombarded with breaking pitches and off-speed stuff that he does a nice job of either fouling off or taking outside the zone. Yep. But if I'm a pitcher, I'm just going to keep throwing it until he proves that he can hit it. 100%. And that's just the adjustment he's going to have to make. And he, I believe he will. Like I, I, I believe he will. Um, yeah. I'm not worried about not, Cassis. Not really. And it's no. frustrating at times because he, 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 he's getting up quite a bit with guys on base and I know, like, you know, we're getting a lot of missed opportunities here, but those are the kinds of things that just kind of happen with young players. And, and I, yeah. I he, he does not give me Dahlbeck vibes. Nope. Yeah. I, I agree. Totally different guy. And I think, I think we'll, we'll look back in a month or two and his, his batting average will pop right, you know, right back up in the two hundreds where it should be. Yeah. And he'll look a lot more comfortable, but 23 old kid learning how to hit at the major league level. As long as he continues to have good at bats and not get himself out, the hits will come. And well, listen, I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, the, the Reds, like, we're getting on a big Red Sox ran here, but the Red Sox have lost two series this year. That's it. And they've right. been swept in those series by the top two teams in major league baseball. Swept by the Rays, swept by the Pirates. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, right. the The Red Sox oh. have played twenty of their twenty three games, or I guess, actually, I guess technically twenty one of their twenty four games against teams over five hundred. They've yeah. played some good teams. They have, and they they're okay. You know, they're they're and again, that's more of a Tristan Cassis thing too, though. You know, Tristan Cass has been up there facing a lot of tough pitching, a yep. lot of teams that that know how to pitch and, and they're crafty and and they're he'll be okay. He'll be he'll be very okay. Yep, agreed. All right, we are going to head home where we will wrap up some other news here. Um, as much as it pains Red Sox fans to hear this, Xander Bogarts has gotten on base every single game as a San Diego Padre. Yeah, uh, as of yesterday. Um, to say he's on a tear is an understatement. That dude has been raking ever since he stepped foot in San Diego. It has been a sight to see. Sure has, and we we look at we look at it's it's the dichotomy of two guys. It's one guy in Juan Soto who almost looks like being in that lineup is a hindrance to him. It's almost like he's right. 
it's he's too comfortable like there's not enough pressure the, it's not all on him like he's it's almost like he's and I don't know this by any stretch I mean that's probably not a fair thing for me to say because I have no idea but in the course of 70 whatever games Harrison that you mentioned earlier he does not look like Juan Soto the power numbers are way down he's not getting on base at nearly the clip that that we're used to seeing Juan Soto get on and it's got to be frustrating for him and I'm sure it's frustrating for Padre fans and then certainly a much smaller sample size but you have another guy like Xander who has just thriving in that lineup. Absolutely yeah. thriving. So it's it's interesting to see, but I mean it's it's the worst nightmare for Red Sox fans. Well, yeah, and I, and I think for many of us, I don't think we expected Xander to go out to San Diego and suck. Um <laughs> right. I also don't think we thought no. he'd go out to San Diego and have a career year right out of the gate either, but you know, he's got he's already got five home runs in the season. He only hit 15 last year in the whole season. He played 150 games. He's got mm-hmm. some pop back. He's driving in no runs, but it's really more where more where he's hitting in the lineup. He's hitting 330, getting on base over 400. You know, he's he's hitting he's hitting at a clip right now that's beyond his career highs. In some cases like significantly beyond his career highs. He looks very comfortable out there, but at the same time, here's a guy who just got an 11-year contract. He's got no worries, no stress, no pressure, just playing baseball. And San Diego's on a market that's going to eat him eat him up like Boston did either. Like, I think I think for him, he's found the right fit, and that's and that's the place he's going to be good at. And for the next five years, it'll probably be fantastic. And then you're going to watch the slide, and we're all going to say, "Well, good thing we didn't sign him to an 11 year contract." But for the next five years, it's going to suck. I think you just hit the you just hit the nail on the head where Xander signed his lifelong contract. He's done. Yeah, that that's it. Soto's still playing for his contract. You know, Soto's got three more years, so he's he could be pressing for all I know. I mean, yeah. So, so Soto's. So before the show, before we came on live, I I was talking about Soto. In seventy six games of the Padres, he's hitting two twenty four with ten home runs. Um, his on base percentage is fifty points below his career career average. He's striking out a lot. He just doesn't look like the same guy. And I watched a lot of that San Diego series over the weekend, and. He's taken fastballs down the middle and swinging at sliders in the dirt. He just he does not look like Juan Soto, and it's been that way for seventy six games. So coming up on half a season, so it's not like it's a twenty game sample set. And you're going, what's wrong with him? Like half a season is a, is beginning to become a trend where it makes you wonder what happened, where did it go, and and did coming to San Diego where he didn't have the pressure of being the only guy to deliver, or is it something about the way that that he fits on that team, or? Something about what he's done has changed because he does not look like the same guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We got some home run updates here. Pete Alonzo's got 10. Does he hit 50 home runs this season? Yes or no? Mm, I'm going to say no. I mean, it's, I mean, I'd love, I'd love it, but I mean, that's, you can't expect anyone to hit 50 home runs. No, I mean, I am. It's 50 or bust. I mean, could I I 100% think Pete could do it, oh, but sure he is could. he is prone to that summer slump where he goes like completely yeah. quiet for a month. Um, so I'm going to say he pro- he doesn't do it, but he he's he's a guy I'd love to see do it. You mean after he hits 250 home runs in the home run derby and goes into a month yeah, and a half? Yeah, he, he does. He he's he's known to kind of go into that summer slump where like for 30 or 40 days he's a shell of himself and then he tears the cover off the ball again. Right. Polar bears don't do well in the summer. Apparently not. He lives up to the name. Yeah. But Max Muncie has 11 and he literally just like came on the scene in about a week. He's hit 10 home runs in his last 13 games. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then he's got, is it Outman, who's hitting behind him, who's got nine? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) those guys are mashing out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This news is still crazy because it just seems like it's getting sooner and sooner and sooner. And we talk about him every week. Bryce Harper could be back as soon as two weeks. And they're putting him at first base. Like he's taking ground balls at first base. Now, yeah. So I have something about that. Like first baseman still has to throw the ball, right? In some instances. Mm-hmm. Yes, like in many instances. He, well, yeah. right. But I mean, like, like I get it. Maybe when he's back to like to cleared and he doesn't want to max out his arm, maybe. But like, why? Why would you take that chance with your star player there? Well, I, I, was, I would. So I, I was reading. I was reading somewhere because I thought the same thing, Nick. And what I was reading is that he's he's cleared to resume throwing activities, but not at full speed. So what that means is, like, ball hits him, he's going to have to throw it half speed to second base. The Phillies are okay taking a hit defensively at first base one or two games a week to cycle him out of the DH spot to get his bat back in the lineup. So he's going to be at first base, and he may throw a meatball to second base to start the double play, and they may not get anything more than the lead runner out, and they're okay with that for a little while. He will primarily DH. He'll rotate to first on occasion to give somebody else a DH break. And then he'll eventually play more first page. Well, you know, you, you, you Oh, right. A position player. A position guy needs a breather. They go DH. Yeah. yeah, Um, It It was just a weird, I was like, but so it sounds like he's going to be primarily a DH occasional first base. Then he'll be more first base and a mix of DH. And then when he finally gets fully cleared to throw again, they'll look at moving him back into the outfield and DHing. But first base gives him a way to get into the field a little bit in the near term. Um, in a less stressful spot than have to make a throw from the outfield. Yeah, makes sense. But to get him back in the lineup, I mean, if the guy's got to like you know run the ball to second base, you might you might take it because that team needs they need him back. Yeah. Um, Garrett Mitchell, a young center fielder for the Brewers, is going to miss significant time due to a torn labrum and significant damage. They said to his labrum. Uh, I haven't heard if he needs surgery, but. He kind of came on. Yeah, he came onto the scene early. I think was he the one that got a, uh, I think a grand slam in his first game uh, as a Brewer. I'm pretty um, sure. Yes. Yeah, I mean he's a great young player. Just stinks, you know. You come up, you get your shot, and then on the shelf you go. Um, Jeffrey Springs, the left-hander for the Rays, who started his first start of the season was he brought a no-hitter into the sixth or seventh inning. Um, he looked really dominant in his couple starts. Uh, is had Tommy John, so he is. Yeah, so he's out here. Yep. That's too bad. Yep. So we'll just see another Triple A pitcher come up and dominate for the Rays. How um, it goes. Yep. Which I, I haven't been. I I need to go to a Durham Bulls game because they're the oh, Rays Triple yeah. A, and they're yeah. ten minutes yeah. from my house. I I gotta go do some scouting, I guess. Yeah. Tell us um, who's coming up next. Yep. Uh, speaking of dominant pitchers, the Reds extend Hunter Green for $53 million. I don't know the years on that, but probably in just enough to get him to his free agency, I would imagine. But you're going to do that. I mean, Hunter Green Smart is move. disgusting. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the Reds The Reds have some – excuse me. The Reds have some nice, good, young pitching. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you got you. I mean, obviously, Hunter Green is kind of the 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 one that that's you know kind of made the name the past year and a half plus whatever. But this Nick, Nick Lodolo. Lodolo guy, nasty, and, and Graham 
and Graham Ashcroft, wow. man. Uh-huh. Graham Ashcroft is another one. Like they they've got themselves like a young three headed monster type of situation yeah. that in four or five years when these guys are all wearing different uniforms, we're gonna be like, Hey, remember when yeah. the Reds had all those guys? Um so uh, you know, it's it's a team that's not very good, that's not really gonna do much and they're they're tough to watch. But if you're looking at games and you're seeing that this Nick Lodolo or Graham Ashcroft or Hunter Green are throwing, might be worth a tune in because those guys are really, really good. I don't know, man. They they could have possibly they could possibly win this Luis list. Luis Castillo is disgusting. Don't get me wrong, but the the prospects they got back from the Seattle oh, Mariners, oh, oh. Yes. like are yeah. are coming Agreed. up. They're very, very good prospects they got in that deal. The yes. Reds in a few years could be you know kind of like the pirates are right now they kind of overachieve for a year they might not be quite ready but they might if they extend green they get a couple more years out of him they sign lodolo maybe they extend him you got a good core pitching um on i always butcher his name Marte, but it's like nail v or something like that Marte. he's a prospect coming up he's disgusting they have some decent pieces where I think in a few years they could turn it around and be good. They just walked off on the Rangers tonight. We have, they have flashes in the pan. There are, there are no disagreements on that front. The, the young players and prospects that the Cincinnati Reds have very good shape that they're in. Are the Cincinnati Reds actually going to pay to keep those guys around in Cincinnati red uniforms? Likely not. Like that's that's right. what I'm talking about. I'm not saying these guys are going to be wearing different uniforms because the team is going to stink. I'm okay, saying they're right. going to wear different uniforms because the they're Reds not aren't going to pay them. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think I think there's a legitimate chance. It's a likely chance that they win that trade. Yeah. And Castillo, yeah, I would disgusting. agree. He's dealing in, in Seattle, but. Sure, but it's one guy. And they got four prospects back for him. Yeah, it's it's you. I mean, you. Yeah, it's you gave up one guy, in the years that you Luis Castillo was going to dominate for are going to be years that you're not competitive for. So you gave up years of a dominant pitcher when you're not competitive for guys that are going to be making a difference when you are competitive. So absolutely, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fernando Tatis's suspension is officially over it was over last thursday and he's not just picking on minor leaguers anymore yeah not not just taking <laughs> minor leaguers deep uh he did go 0 for 5 in his first night hit a couple rockets but you know true tatis in arizona he absolutely did hit a bomb and there i think it was the second night yep um and he's back i mean just another bat in that padres lineup and and be. for a guy who was adamant he was a shortstop he looks pretty good in right field yeah, and that's where he's gonna stay. He's he's not moving. Well, I remember I just loving in the off season how both guys were like, yeah, I'm a shortstop, and we're like, mm, are you though? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just you want shortstop money. That's of why. course you do. I mean, that's yeah. He already got it. I'd say that I'd say the same thing, man. I'm a 33 year old lefty. I'm a shortstop. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I'd say it. If they're gonna pay me the money, I'd say it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then the last thing I have, which is really, really awesome story. After 1,155 games, 4,494 plate appearances in the minor leagues, Drew Maggi for the Pirates organization, he's 33 years old, 
finally got called up for the big leagues for the Pirates. So, yeah, so cool. it was a, that, if you haven't seen the video, watch the video. It was awesome. It's so cool. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. I got to make the, sure. The oh, dude yeah. was like legit shocked. Like he's just sitting in the chair and like, what? Oh, oh yeah. When, no, I, I did see that last night. I remember when him. They, when they, oh, it was awesome. He jumps up. Let's go. Yeah. It was awesome. It's yep. so cool. I mean, talk about perseverance, right? I mean, like you sure. don't see any 30 year olds in the league unless they're rehabbing let alone yeah. never get a shot. And mm-hmm. like I said to you guys, half joking, half serious before we st- we went on, it's like, if you're not getting up to the big club with the Pirates in the in the 12 years you've been playing pro ball, man, I like how how have you not given up at that point? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like the perseverance is is really something to like marvel at. Like that's it's sure. crazy. It's pretty awesome. Perseverance and, and credit to the credit to the support system that he has. I mean I, I I, yeah. I don't know anything about his per like I don't know if he's married right. he's got kids like I have no idea but I mean there's there's people around him that that certainly continue to give unwavering support because I tell you that's not something you go through and deal with on your own no. you know there, there's there's a we talk about ups and downs in in every walk of life and, and professional sports is no different I mean there's more downs than ups when you're a 30 something year old that's never sniffed the major yeah. leagues so yeah. you know to have people that are going to continue to 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 support you on way, like that's as much of a win for all them almost as it, as it is for this guy. I mean, that's fantastic. And just real quick, I know this, you know, half joking, half serious. This guy better come up and absolutely stink because if this guy comes up and he's like a stick at the plate, like what the hell were the pirates doing? Right. Like, I mean, right. we, we know they're doing pirate stuff. That- Right. Yeah. Like I was going to say, like, we know that for years it's been a kind of a joke of a yeah. franchise. Like it wouldn't surprise me if all at all, if this guy comes up and he's just rakes at the plate. Um, but yeah, I mean, all, all, all things good for him, man. It's I'm, yeah. I'm going to be excited to see, maybe he'll play when we go. Maybe we'll see him. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get cool. Uh, that's all I have tonight. Do you guys have anything else to add? I would just add real quick the players of the week. So we had uh, Adolis Garcia in the AL, obviously, who had a – he did it so. all in one night. <laughs> and then um, um, Max Muncy in the NL, who had all Again. those home runs. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I I, I, I saw a few um, of the Max, Max Muncy home runs. And, again, I mean, we talk about a guy – he doesn't get cheated on any swings. And, no, boy, to his home runs. And, boy, are his home runs tower home runs. I mean, they are they are some impressive things to watch, man. Like this guy does not hit any wall scrapers, barely getting out. I mean, no, they are all on the screws. He yeah, takes those so. big daddy hacks. Yeah. Um, I do have one more thing. It was finally nice to see Masataka Yoshida actually square a couple up and not mm-hmm. roll over to first base for an easy ground out. Um, first home run was nice. That grand slam was absolutely torched. Uh, torched. Bomb. That thing was touched. And he's I'll coming around. This. I mean, he's adjusting he, the major league pitching. He he's gonna be fine. He's a professional hitter. He's gonna be. Oh, yeah. and, and I'll I'll say, the Red Sox are frustrating to me at times. I know we've done a lot of Red Sox today, but time. you know, fuck it. We're all we're all Red Sox fans. I, the numbers offensively are there, right? They're they're top five in the American League in runs scored. They're third in the American League in RBIs. They're top five in home runs. They're middle of the pack in batting average. Like they don't have the highest batting average, but like the extra base hits, the slugging percentage, yep. all that stuff is is up there with the Tampa Bay Rays, with the Texas Rangers and the Boston Red Sox. Like those are the top three in a lot of those categories. I feel like a lot of that in in 
it's probably an unfair thing for me to say because, you know, clearly the hitting coach has a part of that. I despise a lot of these guys' approach at the plate. Oh, yeah. There are, there are three guys, three guys right now on this roster that I, I would not tweak at all. Obviously, one of them is Verdugo. He's been absolutely fantastic. Yep. Um, the second one is Rafi, just because, like, Rafi's a weapon, and, and, and you never want to take a guy like that and, and temper him down at all. So it's yep. like, what, listen, man, if you're going to swing out of your touch hole every time, like, that's what we paid you to do, so go do it. Like, that's fine. Whatever. Right. Um, the third guy is Jaron Durant, and I, 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 I like his approach. It's been a short – because he didn't start the year up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the time that he's been up, I really – he looks very comfortable. He's putting the bat on the ball. He ended the game tonight taking an outside sinker and lining it just directly at the third baseman. That ball was touched. I mean, that tying run was on base. I mean, if that thing gets by the second baseman, it's a tie game. Like, that, what can you do? I mean, it's a great at bat. Everybody else. And if I have to watch Kike – take a fastball down the middle one more time and then chase the next pitch slider to go. Oh, two. I'm going to pull my hair out. It's so frustrating. He's coming around. He's coming around, but and this is not all. I mean, this is how some of these guys hit. I get it, but breaking pitches off speed pitches. I mean, these guys are major league hitters. It's I'm not saying anything that that these guys are, are foreign to, like all of it works off the fastball. If these guys are going to groove you a first pitch fastball, why are we not ambushing them a little bit more to at least tell them that they shouldn't be doing that? Yeah. Like it's brutal. Hitting is hard enough, man. Hitting is hard enough. That's why you get three strikes. And you're yeah. essentially just putting yourself in a two strike at bat by just giving them strike one. Yeah. It's like, you know, let's, let's be a little bit more aggressive within the zone. Like the, the, the days of, you know, the 2004, 2005 Red Sox. Well, we, you know, we want to wear the starters out and get to the bullpen. Those days are gone. Whether pitchers throw 60 pitches or 90 pitches, they're out after the fifth inning. Like, getting to these guys and wearing them down doesn't matter because they don't face the third time through the org. Right. So, like, it's it's an outdated approach, if that's the approach. It seems like it is. That's an outdated approach. Like, Agreed. get your hitters up there. Like, get your, your Yoshida's, right? Yoshida's been struggling. He's coming out of it now, but he was struggling for a while. Yeah. Why are we not taking the first pitch fastball and shooting it off the wall or shooting it into left field? Yeah, it's just, I, it's, it's, it's been so frustrating to watch, even though they have been putting up runs. I feel like it's been in spite of their just inconsistent approach in, in, in bad approach. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I just literally watched Carlos Correa take a hack at a first pitch slider that hung down the middle and hit it straight backwards. Like there are so many guys programmed to not swing at that first pitch. That may be the best pitch you see the whole at bat. Why are we not potentially swinging at a hanger that you yeah. can crush if you're going to get nothing but junk? And I look at a guy like Kike. The reason Kike is like a 230-something career hitter is because he's got a great swing and he can really do damage. But he beats himself with the plate a lot because he has this approach where he tends to it, – it's like the old days of J.D. Drew. I'll watch that fastball down the middle because I'm just going to wait to the next pitch when it's there to be had, you know. Nomar hit 372 swinging at 40, 40 something percent of the first pitches he saw because they were good pitches to hit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with the Kike thing also drives me nuts too. And I, I like Kike. I certainly don't know, the, know him on a personal level, but I like him. I, I yeah, from all accounts, he's a good, he's a good leader in the clubhouse. He, he keeps everybody loose and, and, you know, he, he plays every position. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, those guys are valuable to have. I just, for a guy that thinks he's Manny Ramirez, like if I have to watch another soft pop up to the left side of the infield because you 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 pulled out and came off of a breaker a breaking ball, like yeah. dude, think up the middle and drive it into the alley. Like I I get it. 
Like everyone loves home runs, and and when he gets a hold of him, he can hit bombs. He but does. you're not Manny. You're not Manny. Stop no. trying to be Manny. No. Like, let's just think up the middle and 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 put it into the gap, and then just keep the train rolling. So he's yeah. he's been better. He's been better the past four or five games. He's been better. He looked really good today. Um, so you know, hope hopefully there's a little bit of that. But but it's a team that I I think in spite of the good numbers they have offensively, they can eat, they can be even better. I, I really do believe that because I think they've put some really bad at bats on tape. Um, and they've left a lot of runners on base. I, I'd love to see, I'll look up and see, I'd love to see the numbers. They've got to lead the American league in, in leaving runners on base. Yeah, They have to, it's, 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 it's eight, nine, 10 guys every night. That's yeah. constant. All right. Anything else? We good. No, good. sorry, I had to get my Red Sox rant out. I apologize. Keep an, right. keep an eye on the Yankees. Keep an eye on the Yankees defense. They they are killing them tonight. They that's the second second big mistake of the inning. They that's a rough. They are a rough team to watch. Yeah. Maybe we'll add great, a uh... great manager though. <laughs> Maybe we'll... I got your Aaron Boone shot in last week. Don't you worry, Thank Sean. You. I got two Appreciate in, I think. you. Appreciate you. Oh man. All right. Uh, so thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, please yep. like, subscribe. Uh, share our podcast, chime in on our comments and all of that stuff. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you get your podcast. And, uh, fellas, we got two more shows until we get to Baltimore. Two more. Indeed. So we will Indeed. see you all next Monday at 8 p.m. See all right, you. boys.